الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. We're continuing on with our tafsir of Surah Al-Fajr. And as you know, due to the UK national lockdown, there is no opportunity to hold this class in public. So yes, we are in the masjid, but there is nobody here except for one cameraman and one of the masjid staff. So we don't have uh, any students in attendance, which means that we need from the brothers and sisters who are participating via YouTube, we need them to be very active today in answering questions because otherwise there really isn't anyone else to answer the questions that are posed during the class. And this is for the duration of the national lockdown which has been announced in the UK. They are allowing us to hold online classes, but they're not allowing us to have public participation uh, up to now. So that being said, we are on to the tafsir of Surah Al-Fajr and we actually need to revise a little bit of what we've done. And what I wanted to quote to you was the tafsir of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala for the first part of this surah because it's really amazing and he really brings a lot of beneficial points. I'm not going to read it in Arabic in case we just end up spending a really long time. Uh, but what I will do is I'll quote certain parts here and there. So we had spoken about the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, وَالْفَجَرْ وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ وَالشَّفْعِ وَالْوَتْرِ وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَسْرٍ هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ لِذِي حِجْرٍ So the first question is, these are all oaths. Allah Azza wa Jal swears by the fajr, the dawn. Allah Azza wa Jal swears by al-liyal al-ashr, the ten days. Allah Azza wa Jal swears by al-shaf'i wal-watr, the even-numbered things and the odd-numbered things. Wal-layli idha yasr, and the night as it passes on. And then Allah Azza wa Jal said, هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ لِذِي حِجْرٍ That in this there is a oath for people of intellect. Now, what I want you to, to think about here is, where is what we call Jawab al-Qasim? Now you know that generally when Allah swears by something, there is a statement that comes at the end, right? So for example, وَالضُّحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَالَ By the duha and by the night, Allah swears by the duha, Allah swears by the night, and then Allah says, your Lord has not, he does, has not left you and he does not hate you. That's the purpose. That's the, that's the reason for the oath. The oath is there and then there's a sentence that comes for the, all of that, that. Allah swearing by those things was for the purpose of that sentence. We call it Jawab al-Qasim. Where is it in Surah Fajr? That's a big question. So some of them said, it is in the statement of Allah Azawajal, However, Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, وَهَذَا ضَعِيفٌ لِوَجْهَيْنِ He said, أَحَدُهُمَا طُولُ الْكَلَامِ 
والفصل بين القسم وجوابه بجمل كثيرة He said this is a weak opinion because in reality between the, the Allah swearing والفجر وليالن عشر والشفع والوتر والليل إذا يسر and between إن ربك لبي المرصاد there are how many ayat هل في ذلك قسم لذي حجر ألم ترى كيف فعل ربك بعاد إرم ذات العماد التي لم يخلق مثلها في البلاد وثمود الذين جابوا الصخر بالواد وفرعون ذي الأوتاد الذين طغوا في البلاد فأكثروا فيها الفساد فصب عليهم ربك سوط عذاب إن ربك لبالمرصاد And this is unknown in the Arabic language You do not have this That you bring the point of the speech a long time afterwards like that. So this is, as Ibn Qayyim, he said, وَهَذَا ضَعِيفٌ This is a weak opinion. So Ibn Qayyim, Ibn Qayyim, uh, he said, the second reason it's weak is that the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ is mentioned to, it mentions the punishment and Allah's retribution upon the previous nations, Ad and Thamud and Fir'aun. And this, uh, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have a direct relationship to the Qasim. And it's not connected to the Qasim. It's connected to Fir'aun and Ad and Thamud. So this statement, in رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ doesn't have any connection to وَالْفَجَرْ وَلَيَالٍ عَشَرْ وَالشَّفْعِ وَالْوَتْرْ وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَسْرِ So Ibn Qayyim, he said, وَأَحْسَنُ مِنْ هَذَا أَنْ يُقَالِ Better than this is to say. And now Ibn Qayyim is going to show you the connection between these different ayat and remind us a bit of the tafsir that we've already heard. He said, Fajr al-Fajr in the ten nights and al-Fajr fil layali al-Ashr al-Fajr in the ten nights has certain actions in it which are mu'azzama min al-manasik what does he mean by this there are things that people do in the Layali al-Ashr, in the 10 days of the Hijjah. There are things that people do. For example, what about Fajr on the day of Yawm al-Nahr? Fajr on the day of Eid. What do people do Fajr on the day of Yawm al-Eid? In Hajj. What are they doing? They are in Muzdalifah. Right? And they are making dua to Allah in al-Mash'ar al-Haram, in the place, sacred place of Muzdalifah. So this is a huge thing in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jalla. So there are af'alan mu'adhama wa amkina mu'adhama, Ibn Qayyim, he said. There are actions which are huge in the sight of Allah in those days. And there are places which are huge in the sight of Allah in those days. Which places? Give me an example of some of the places which are very significant in the sight of Allah in the 10 days of the Hijjah. 
Give me some examples of those places. We mentioned Muzdalifa, Wells. Where the people stand on the ninth day? Arafah. Then they go to Mina. They stone the Jamarat. These actions are mu'adhama indallah. And these places are mu'adhama indallah. They're very significant in the sight of Allah Azza And Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, وَذَلِكَ مِنْ شَعَائِرِ اللَّهِ الْمُتَضَمِّنَ خُضُوعِ الْعَبْدِ لِرَبِّهِ فَإِنَّ الْحَجَّ he said something amazing. He said, This is from the major signs of Allah, from the sha'air of Allah, the major signs of Allah. What is done in those days? that contain the, the symbols of Islam, the sha'air are like the symbols of Islam, right? The things that Islam is known by, the people come in Arafah, the people go to Muzdalifah, the people stone the Jamarat. Islam is known by these things. Islam is famous for these things. These are from the sha'air, the major public you know, signs that you see that relate to Islam, the major rituals of Islam. And these rituals contain complete submission to Allah. Because Hajj and sacrifice are pure acts of worship to Allah and acts of humility and submission to the greatness of Allah. And this is the opposite of what was mentioned about Ad and Thamud and Fir'aun their disobedience, their arrogance, their uh, transgression against people, and their pride. Look at the opposite. Look at how Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, look at the link. You want to see the link between these things? Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned af'alan mu'adhama, actions that are huge in the sight of Allah, like Arafah, standing on Arafah. The Prophet said, Al-Hajju Arafah, the Hajj is Arafah. This is the day where Allah frees more people from the fire than any other day. Yawm al-Nahr, the day of sacrifice. This is the greatest of all of the days of the year in the sight of Allah. The greatest of all the days in the year in the sight of Allah is the day of Eid, Yawm al-Hajj al-Akbar. The great day of Hajj, Yawm al-Nahr. Look at what Hajj and sacrifice includes and then contrast that with Fir'aun and Ad and Thamud. Hajj shows complete submission and servitude and humility before Allah. And what did Ad and Thamud and Fir'aun show? Complete objection and rebellion and pride. He said, فَإِنَّ النُّسُكَ يَتَضَمَّنُ غَايَةَ الْخُضُوعِ يَتَضَمَّنُ غَايَةُ الْخُضُوعِ لِلَّهِ he said that the acts of pilgrimage and the sacrifice, it contains the pinnacle, the peak of submission before Allah. And these nations, they disobeyed and they were arrogant when Allah's command came. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, مَا مِنْ أَيَّامِ 
ما من أيام العمل الصالح فيهن أحب إلى الله من هذه الأيام العشر There are no days in which good deeds are more beloved to Allah than these ten days. Then Ibn al-Qayyim, he said at the end of mentioning these ahadith, he said, فالزمان المتضمن لمثل هذه الأعمال أهل أن يقسم أن يقسم الرب به عز وجل به. He said, the time in which these huge acts of worship are done is deserving of being sworn by. He said then al-Fajr. If the meaning of Fajr is not the Fajr on the day of Arafah, as the Fajr on the day of Eid. Some of them said the Fajr on the day of Eid. If it's not the Fajr on the day of Eid, and it's Fajr generally, and he said, That's what seems to be. That's what it seems to me. What it seems to me is that the Fajr here is general. Then he said, this is the time of the Fajr prayer that is the first of all the prayers. It's the time of the Fajr prayer that is the first of all the prayers. So Allah began this swearing by these things in the time that contains the first of the prayers. And he concluded it, which contains the last of the prayers. So it's like Allah is swearing by the times of the prayer, the first of the prayer times until the last of the prayer times. The first of the prayer times, what is it? Wal-Fajr. What's the last of the prayer times? The night when it starts to go on, starts to run into the night. It's the time of Isha. And if it is intended, the Fajr, which is a specific Fajr, the Fajr of the day of Eid and the night, the night of Arafah, then this is from the best of the nights of the year. And the shaitan is not seen to be any more disgraced and lowered and humiliated than on that day. And after Maghrib on the day of Arafah, the shaitan is seen covering himself in, in dust and he's disgraced and he's low because of all the people that Allah forgave on the day of Arafah. And the best of the days is the day of Eid. And here Ibn Qayyim is talking about, here Ibn Qayyim is talking about the fact that what if Al-Fajr is not the prayer time? What if Al-Fajr is the Fajr on the day of Eid? Uh, the Eid which is Eid al-Adha. So here it's still the same thing because ultimately this is one of the most important days. And if the layl is the layl, if the night is the night time that comes from it, the night of the day of Arafah, then this is the day when the shaitan is the most disgraced and low of any of the days. He said, وَعَلَى هَذَا فَقَدْ تَضَمَّنَ الْقَسْمِ الْمَنَاسِكَ وَالصَّلَوَاتِ الْمَنَاسِكَ وَالصَّلَوَاتِ وَهُمَ الْمُخْتَصَّانِ بِعِبَادَةِ اللَّهِ وَالْخُضُوعِ لَهِ وَالتَّوَاضُعِ لِعَظَمَتِهِ ولهذا قال الخليل قل إن صلاتي ونسكي ومحياي ومماتي لله رب العالمين وقيل لخاتم الرسل صلى الله عليه وسلم فصلي لربك وانحر ابن القيم he said then based upon this this قسم this oath that is mentioned in سورة الفجر it contains an oath by what by two things 
What two things did Ibn Qayyim mention? What two things? Generally speaking, what does it contain an oath by? An oath by the rites of the Hajj and an oath by the prayer. And the rites of the Hajj, look at Ibn Qayyim, this man is a genius, a genius. He said that these two things come together. The prayer times, wal fajri until wal-layli, idha yasr, from fajr until isha, and the rites of the hajj, wal-layalin ashr, wal-shafi'i, wal-watr, and so on. Or al-fajr, if you see al-fajr to mean the fajr on the day of Eid, and the layl to be the nights that relate to the 10 days, like the night after Arafah, when the shaitan is disgraced. So here Allah has sworn by the two actions which are pure ibadah for Allah, absolute pure ibadah for Allah. And they are the prayer and submission and humility before him and they are the prayer and the rites of the hajj. As Ibrahim said, or as Allah told us that Ibrahim said, say indeed my prayer and my sacrifice and my living and my dying. And my prayer and the rites of sacrifice. And like uh, for Allah and my living and my dying are for Allah, Lord of the worlds. And like the Prophet ﷺ was told, Pray to your Lord and sacrifice to Him. And this is opposite to the situation of the mushrikeen who are arrogant. They don't worship Allah alone. They make partners with Him. And they're too proud to worship Him like Ad and Thamud and Fir'aun. So it seems here that what Ibn al-Qayyim is really saying is that there is no jawab al-Qasim here. There is no, there is no sentence which is going to come to bring a conclusion to these things. These things in of themselves are the reason they are mentioned. Allah swore by Fajr because of Fajr. Not because of what was going to come later. Like in Surah Al-Duha, Allah swore by the Duha and Allah swore by the night because or in order to show that he didn't leave the Prophet and that he didn't hate the Prophet But here there is no other purpose. The purpose is the Fajr itself. The purpose is the Salah itself. The purpose is the Hajj and the sacrifice itself. This is the very reason why Allah mentioned these oaths, not for another reason, not to bring another sentence afterwards, but for these oaths. There are other opinions among the scholars of tafsir. There are those who said that Allah mentioned these things in order to say, you are certainly going to be recompensed for your deeds. But Ibn al-Qayyim said, these things in of themselves are so great and so huge in the sight of Allah that there isn't any need for another sentence to, you know, kind of conclude or bring it to a close. It's enough just to mention the greatness of the prayer and the sacrifice and the rites of the Hajj and so on. Ibn al-Qayyim goes on to talk about washaf'i wal watr and he said that these great symbols of Islam, these great sha'air of Islam, some of them are even and some of them are odd, whether places or times or actions. So Ibn al-Qayyim, he mentions places that are odd and even, times that are odd and even, 
and actions that are odd and even. He said, As-Safa and Al-Marwa are even, and the Kaaba is odd. Right? How many is Safa and Marwa? Two. Safa, Marwa. So it's even. And the Kaaba is one, so it's odd. And the Jamarat are odd numbered. How many Jamarat are there? That you stone. How many Jamarat? Three. Al-Sughara and Al-Wusta and Al-Aqaba. Jamarat Al-Aqaba. There are three. And Mina and Muzdalifa are even. And Arafah is odd. Why did he bring Mina and Muzdalifa together and put Arafah on its own? Why did he bring Mina and Muzdalifa together and say, why did he not say Mina and Muzdalifa and Arafah are odd? What's different about Arafah? I'll give you a clue. Quraysh never used to go there. Why? Why did Quraysh in their Hajj never used to go to Arafah until the Prophet they the ones who believed and became Muslim, then they went. Why did the non-Muslim Quraysh never go to Arafah? No, it's a place. It's to do with the location of Arafah. Where is Arafah? Well, have we got anyone at all watching this on YouTube? <laughs> there is, they, are, they are thinking about it, huh? Where is Arafah? Okay, let me ask you an even easier question. Is Arafah in Mecca? No, Arafah is not in Mecca. The others are inside the boundary of Mecca. Arafah is outside. And that's why Quraysh never went to Arafah, even though everybody else did. The people in Jahiliyyah who used to make Hajj, they all went to Arafah except for Quraysh. They used to say, we are the people of Mecca. We don't go outside of Mecca. So he said, Arafah is odd. Okay, what else did he say? He said, as for the actions, Tawaf is what? Odd number, seven. And the two raka'at of Tawaf are even. And going between Safa and Marwa is odd numbered, seven. And throwing the Jamarat is odd-numbered. Everything of that is seven, seven. Wahuwa al-asr. That's the, the foundation. And Allah is witrun yuhibbul witr. Allah is odd-numbered and He loves that which is odd-numbered. And among the prayers are those which are even and those which are odd. For example, Fajr is even. Dhuhr is even. Asr is even. Isha is even. And Maghrib is odd. And witr is odd. And witr makes your night prayer odd. Like the Prophet said, Salatul Layli Mathna Mathna Faida Khashita Subh Fautir Biwahida Tutiru Laka Maqad Salait Okamakal. He said that the night prayer is two by two. And if you fear that Fajr time is coming close, pray one witr, and that one witr will make your night prayer odd. As for the times, then the day of Arafah is odd. And the day of Eid is even. What does he mean by that? The day of Arafah is odd and the day of Eid is even. What day is day of Arafah? Which day of the month? Ninth. What's the day of Eid? Tenth. That's what he means. And this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars of tafsir. 
And now, so he, he mentioned that the majority of the scholars of tafsir, the way they saw a shaf'i walwatr, the even and the odd, is the different actions and places and times. The actions of those 10 days and the places in those 10 days and the times and the prayers. Because we said the nusuk, the hajj rites and the sacrifice, and we said the prayers that Allah is talking about, the five daily prayers. And among them, there are many things that are even and odd. And Surah Al-Fatiha, as we know, is Al-Mathani, the seven oft-repeated verses and so on. But Mujahid narrated from Ibn Abbas, Al-Witru Adam, that Adam is the odd one, and what's the even one? Adam is odd number. How many is Adam? One. How did Adam become even? Hawa. Hawa makes Adam even. This is narrated from Mujahid. And in another narration, Adam and Hawa are the odd, are the even number. So in one narration, who's the odd one? Adam. And Adam becomes even with Hawa. In another narration, Adam and Hawa are, are together even. Who is the odd one? No, not the chap. They used to have twins, always twins. They used to have twins all the time. Adam and Hawa are the even ones. Who is the odd one? Adam and Hawa are even. Who is odd? Wallah, YouTube is sleeping. I've got no one in the class today because of the lockdown. And Allah, Allah is the odd one. Allah is the odd one. Inna Allah yuhibbul witr. And in another narration, the even is the day of Eid and the odd is the third, uh, the third day. And Qatada and others, they said, الشفعي, الشفعي he is salah. Al-shaf'i wal-watr is the prayer. And there is a hadith narrated about it. And Atiyatul Awfi, he said, Al-shaf'i al-khalq. He said, the even is creation. And the odd is Allah Azza wa Jal. Because Allah said, وَخَلَقْنَاكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجًا We made you, all of you in pairs. Two by two. And the odd one is Allah Azza wa Jal, the odd numbered. Inna Allah witrun yuhibbul witr. Allah is odd numbered and he loves that which is odd numbered. And this is also the opinion of Al-Hakam. And every, that they said that everything is even except for Allah who is odd numbered. And Abu Salih, they said Allah created, Allah created from everything two pairs and Allah Azza wa Jal is witrun wahid. Allah is odd-numbered and He is one and He is alone. And Al-Hasan, He said, الشَّفْعُ وَالْوِتْرَ الْعَدَدُ كُلُّهُ مِنْ شَفْعٍ وَوِتْرَ He said, all, everything which is even and odd. And this, Wallahu alam, statement of Al-Hasan, هُوَ الصَّوَابِ Wallahu alam. This is, the, this is the strongest of the opinions. That everything which is even and odd comes into this. And you don't have to limit it to one thing. And Ibn Zayd, he said, 
He said, all of the creation, the things in creation which are even and the things in creation which are odd. And Muqatil, he said, Al-Shafi' is Al-Ayyam Wal-Layali. This is, subhanAllah, how, you, how they thought of this, subhanAllah, how they come to the tafsir. He said, Al-Shafi' is the day and the night. Why? Because Allah Azawajal told us about Walayalin Ashar, the days and the nights of the last, of uh, the first 10 days of the Hijjah. So what is the odd numbered one? If the day and the night is even, what is odd? Here's a, a riddle for you. If the day and the night is even, then what is odd? Allah, someone has to answer. They haven't answered anything at the moment, Allah. In the day and the night, yeah, and he saw. No, no, the day and the night, every day and night. Every day has a night. Every day has a night. Every day has a night. Sorry? The day and the night are even. What's odd? Hours are 24. The months. Not the months in the 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 seasons are even. Ikhwan, is the day which there is no night. right? Yawm al-Qiyamah, he said the day and the night are even and Yawm al-Qiyamah is odd because there is no night that comes with it. It's a day that has no night. And there are many other opinions, Ibn al-Qayyim. He said, وَذُكِرَتْ أَقْوَالٌ أُخَرْ هَذِهِ أُصُولُهَا وَمَدَارُهَا كُلُّهَا عَلَى قَوْلَيْنِ He said all of these opinions come back to two. And this is the sign of a alim, of a scholar, Rabbani. That they take all these opinions and they just bring it back for you. Ibn Qayyim is going to say all these opinions, all of them come back to two. The first is that al-shaf'i wal-watr are two types within creation and within the things we've been commanded to do. The days, the night, the prayer, within the things that Allah has created and commanded, but within the things that Allah has created and commanded, there are even an odd. Or that al-witr is the creator and al-shafi' is creation. All of it comes back to this. All of it comes back to this. And even more general than that is to say that the word is general and it covers all of that. It covers Allah and his creation and it covers all of the even and odd things within al-khalq wal-amr, within creation and within the command of Allah Azza wa Ibn al-Qayyim, he keeps going. He, is, he keeps bringing benefits. He said, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَسْرِ 
He said, in Surah Al-Muddathir, I asked you to do research on this. Where is my, where is my research? Surah Al-Muddathir. So, وَاللَّيْلِ Allah just swore by the night, إِذْ adabar When it departs, meaning the end of the night, right? The, the last part of the night. Okay, Surah Al-Muddathir, the last part of the night. Tayyip. Okay, and in Surah At-Takweer, بِاللَّيْلِ إِذَا عَسْعَسْ The night when it starts. Okay? وَفُسِّرَ بِأَقْبَلْ وَفُسِّرَ بِأَدْبَرْ I'm, I'm coming. One second. I'm, I'm still getting there. I'm, I'm not going to leave the answer. I'm, you did put the answer on the screen, right? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm coming there. In Surah At-Takweer, the scholars of Tafsir differed over the meaning of as'as. Some of them said as'as means to come, and some of them said as'as means to go when it departs. But if we take the meaning to be the night to come, okay, then Allah Azza wa Jal has sworn by all three parts of the night. Carry on, what do you have? And by the night and what's the envelope, by the night and what it envelops. All the things that are okay, enveloped within the night. We just want the night. So it's excellent what you've come up with is all of them. And by the night when it covers it for a sun. Mm. And, and by the night when it covers for a lay. And by the night when it covers with darkness for the duha. And by the sun night, the first finger of the sun. Excellent. Excellent. All of that is great. So here, in reality, Allah has sworn by all three parts of the night. Allah swore by the beginning of the night. This is what Ibn al-Qayyim said. He said, "Aqsama fi surat al-Muddathir, aqsama bil-layli id adbar." He swore by the night ida adbar when it goes away. Wa fi surat al-Takwir, aqsama bil-layli ida asas wa qad fusira bi-aqbal. He swore by the night when it when it starts. And if this is the case. Then Allah swore by the beginning of the night and the end of the night and the night as it passes by, which is in Surah Al-Fajr. The night when it goes on as it passes, as it goes on. So this just shows you, this just shows you how the scholars of tafsir, they bring the ayat together. They don't just look at what the meaning is here. They look at, okay, what has Allah said about the night in the Qur'an? How do we bring it together? Okay, Allah sworn by the beginning of the night, the passing of the night, and by the end of the night. The three situations of the night. Either the night is coming, and the night, night is, for, uh, what do they say? The, like the night is um, not falling, but the night, the night is it's coming about. It's the, the darkness is descending. Or either the night is going on, or either the night is passing away and ending for the dawn to come. And Ibn Qayyim, he uh, said here, he st he still get, we're still talking about benefits that Ibn Qayyim mentioned. He said, Fajr, Al-Fajr is mentioned with a lamb because everyone knows it. 
And al layali al-ashr are mentioned without the lam because they can only be known by knowledge. And also, when you remove al, you honor something. It's one of the ways of honor. Walayalin ashr, it's one of the ways of honoring it. So he said it could be, or it is in order to honor it. And what is mentioned with al-fajr indicates how famous the fajr is. He said, so when this qasam contains that which Ibrahim and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam brought, this contains, this is what Ibn Qayyim said, kana fi thalika ma dalla ala al-muqsam He said that the, the, this itself contains the answer to what Allah is swearing by or what Allah is swearing for. And what is the purpose of it? What's the jawab? This itself is found. He said, وَلِهَذَا اِعْتَبَرَ الْقَسَمْ بِقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ لِذِي حِجْرٌ For the greatness of this oath can only be understood through prophethood. That's what Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, the purpose of it is. That you can't understand what Allah is, the greatness of what Allah is swearing by without the guidance of prophethood. وَذَلِكَ يَحْتَاجُ إِلَىٰ حِجْرٍ This needs intellect. يَحْجُرُ صَاحِبَهُ عَنِ الْغَفْلَةِ وَاتِّبَعِ الْهَوَىٰ وَيَحْمِلُهُ وَيَحْمِلُهُ عَلَىٰ اتِّبَاعِ الرُّسُلِ لِأَنْ لَا يُصِيبَهُ مَا أَصَابَ مَنْ كَذَّبَ الرُّسُلِ كَعَادٍ وَفِرْعَوْنَ وَثَمُودِ Wallah, sometimes you read this statement from Ibn Qayyim, it's just, Wallah, it's amazing. He said, you can only know this through prophethood. And this requires an intellect that will protect a person from al-ghafla, from being unaware and from following their desires and will cause them to follow the messengers so that they are not affected by and afflicted by what happened to Ad and Thamud and to Fir'aun. So this, subhanAllah, and it contains a number of benefits. And then he continued and he said that this surah contains rebuke of those people who were amazed by their strength and their authority and their wealth. And they are these three nations, Ad and Thamud and Fir'aun. He said Ad, Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah he said Ad, they were amazed by their strength and Thamud were amazed by their gardens and their uh, springs and their lands and Fir'aun were amazed by their wealth and their authority so Allah Azza wa Jal destroyed them as he told us as he told us in the surah Ibn Kathir now he goes on to talk about the statement of Allah Alam Do you not see how your Lord dealt with Ad? How your Lord dealt with Ad? He said that these people were mutamarrideen. They were 
what's the word? Not stubborn, more than stubborn. They were obstinate. They refused to obey Allah. They disobeyed Allah. They were full of arrogance and pride. They went away from the obedience to Allah and to his messengers. And they rejected his books. And that's why Allah mentioned how he destroyed them. And he made them a hadith, like he turned them into a story. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them a sign and a story for the people. And he said, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad. Do you not see what your Lord did with Ad? Iramadatil imad. He said, Wa Here we have to stop. Ibn Kathir. Ibn Kathir and Ibn Jarir al-Tabari as well. Rahimahumullah ta'ala. They took this uh, statement of Ad. They want to explain to you who is Ad. Who is Ad and who is Iram? So they said Ad is the first Ad. Ad al-Ula, the first group of Ad. Now here the scholars of Tafsir, they differ. Is there such a thing as the first Ad and the second Ad or not? Where did they get, which surah did they get this from? Yes, Abdurrahman. Ad al-Ula. Come on. Come on, which surah? Come on. Surat Al-Najm. The end of Surat Al-Najm. The end of Surat Al-Najm. So in the end of Surah Al-Najm, Allah described Ad and he said Ad Al-Ula, the first Ad. And likewise, not only that, but also in the, uh, not only that, but also even Allah describes the Jahiliyyah, Allah describes the time of ignorance. Allah describes the time of ignorance. Is this, uh, is the audio okay? Allah describes the time of ignorance as being what did Allah say wala tabarrujna wala tabarrujna tabarruj al-jahiliyyah al-ula don't go out and adorn yourself to the women don't go out and dress up and adorn yourself like the way of the first jahiliyyah so the scholars of tafsir about this word al-ula the first they have two opinions there are those who took the word al-ula to be as it, as it appears to be. That there is a first and a second. Okay, I'm full of riddles and puzzles today. Don't adorn yourself to the women. Don't dress up and adorn yourself like the first jahiliyyah. What is the first jahiliyyah and what is the second jahiliyyah? If there is a first and a second. Ala qawli man qal. The opinion of the people who said there is a first jahiliyyah and there is a second jahiliyyah. What's the first jahiliyyah and what's the second one?
Any ideas? I have to give them time, huh? Yeah, there is a delay. There's a five-second delay on the stream. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah, I can take that, yeah. So they said the first one is at the time of Ibrahim, and the second one is at the time of Muhammad wasallam. However, and likewise, Ad, then they said there is a first Ad and another Ad. The first Ad is the one that they sent to which to whom Allah Azza wa sent Hud and that Allah destroyed and that is mentioned in the surah. وَأَنَّهُ أَهْلَكَ عَادًا الْأُولَى And Allah destroyed the first group of Ad. That's one opinion. The other opinion is that the word Ula means Qadima. The old, the ancient. And there isn't a first Ad and a second Ad. There is just an old Ad. That Al-Ula means the ancient people of Ad. And they are ancient. Uh, Ibn Kathir, he said, وَهُمْ أَوْلَادُ عَادْ بْنِ إِرَمْ بْنِ عَوْسِ بْنِ سَامِ بْنِ نُوحِ They are the children of Ad, son of Iram, son of Aws, son of Sam, son of Nuh. Right? Between Ad and Nuh, there are three fathers between Ad and between Nuh, between them and Nuh, between the people of Ad and Nuh, there are four. Ad, Iram, Aus, Sam, and then Nuh. So they were very close to Nuh. Only five generations, four generations to five generations between them, only four generations between them and Nuh. Very close to Nuh. And Nuh was the first of the Ar-Rusul, the first of the messengers who were sent to it. The first time the people deviated from Tawheed and started to worship other than Allah. And so they were the first of those uh, people, as Ibn Ishaq, he said. That's not a matter of agreement, by the way. Um, the scholars differ over how many people between them and Nuh and what their names were and how you say their names. But in any case, this is what Ibn Kathir, he mentioned. And it's, this is the famous opinion uh, and Allah Azza wa Jal destroyed Ad. How did Allah destroy Ad? Birihin Sarsarin Aatiyah Sakharaha Alehim Sabaa Layalin Wathamaniata Ayami Husuma Fetaral Kauma Fiha Saraa Kaanahum Ajazu Nahlin Khawiyah Fahel Tara Lahum Mimbakiyah Surat Al Haqqa Allah sent upon them a continuous destructive wind. For seven nights and eight days, and the people were left destroyed, and there was no, there was no remain seen of them. And Allah mentioned their destruction in many places. So if we know who Ad is, we now know, everybody here now knows who Ad is. Yeah? Ad are people who are close to Nuh. Any, not far away from Nuh, not like too many years, around about five, four to any four fathers between them and any four ancestors between them and Nuh. And Subhanallah shows you how quick people change, doesn't it? And Subhanallah, Nuh was saved. All the kuffar were destroyed in the flood. None of them left. And Nuh and his Children walked on the earth. 
and the people on the boat, the people who believed about believed in Nuh, and they came down to the earth. And within how long? Within one, two, three children after Nuh's son Sam. One, two, three, and the people have started worshiping other than Allah again, and disbelieving in the messengers and disbelieving in the prophets. When we say disbelieving in the prophets, sometimes people say, well, you know, they only knew Nuh. How do you say disbelieving in the prophets? But that's a term the Quran uses. Because when you disbelieve in one prophet, you believe, disbelieve in all of them. We don't accept for someone to say, I believe in all of them, but I don't believe in Isa, or I don't believe in Muhammad, or I don't believe in Hud, or I don't believe in so-and-so, uh, or any of the other prophets, alayhim wassalam. We have to believe in all of them without exception. You disbelieve in one, it's like you disbelieved in all because their message was all the same. Very, very close. Now these people, they lived uh, in a place or that was mentioned as Al-Ahqaf. وَذْكُرْ أَخَا عَادٍ قَوْمَهُ بِالْأَحْقَافِ he, uh, Al-Ahqaf, they say, are the sand dunes And that's why there are people who say And Allah knows best That the place that Ad lived Was what is now known as Ar-Rud' al-Khali The empty quarter in Saudi Arabia What is now in Saudi Arabia Out of a benefit, by the way There is no grave of a prophet That is known Other than the grave of the prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam not all these places where they say Hud is buried here, Salih is buried here, and you know, uh, Musa is buried here, and so on. There is no grave of a prophet which is known and proven and known other than the grave of the Prophet Muhammad. So now the question we learned a little bit about where they lived, we know how they were destroyed, we know who they are. It seems to me, and Allah knows best. Allah knows best. I personally feel like Ad and Ula, it just means the old, the ancient people. Because Allah destroyed them, there's no evidence of another Ad who came afterwards. But Allah Azza wa knows best. So now the question is, the question is, who is Iram? So we heard Ibn Kathir, he mentioned that Iram is the Grandfather of, and he's the fa the father of, uh, of Ad, yeah, the grandfather of the people of Ad. But the scholars they differed over the Iram that is mentioned in the ayah, Irama thatil imad, and they differed with so many different opinions. Wallahi, so many different opinions. However, they agreed that Iram is a clarification. They all agreed that Iram is there. To clarify what is intended by the word Ad. And generally they agreed. I don't say everyone, but generally speaking, they agreed that the word Iram is there to show what who is meant by Ad. But they differed over what Iram is. Some of them said that Iram is Ad. And in other words, Iram highlights that this is Ad al-Ula. This is the first Ad, not the second Ad. We said the scholars differed about whether there was a first and second. So some of them said, Adu Iram, meaning the Ad whose 
grandfather was the Ad whose father was Iram. That makes sense? Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad Iram. Have you not seen how your Lord dealt with Ad? The Ad of Iram. The Ad of Iram. Some of them said Iram was a sub-tribe within Ad. And not all of Ad were the people that Allah's destruction came upon uh, like that. But there was a particular group of them who became known as Ad and they were called Iram, a sub-tribe of Ad. Some of them said Iram was the city they lived in. The town or the city they lived in was Iram. And that is also why we have disagreement over that al-imad. Al-imad, generally speaking, uh, there, are, there are two opinions within the scholars of tafsir about the word imad. There are lots, but we can bring them back to two. One of them is that imad here is uh, literal in the sense of it means pillars. Imad are a'midah, meaning pillars, poles, pillars, long pillars. And the other is that the word of uh, uh, imad here, it refers to their strength only. It doesn't refer to the pillars, but it refers to al-quwwah, the strength of them, their strength and their power. And uh, that has an evidence for it in the Arabic language, but most of them, they took the word imad to mean amida, the uh, pillars. But what is meant by pillars or, or these poles. Again, there are many differences, but let's just look at, uh, let's just look at two of them. The most famous is that Ad used to travel within the desert and they had tents that were made of hair and they had huge poles that held up the tents. Huge, massive, huge poles. Some of them said their city was made of tall uh, like almost like tall structures. I'm not going to say buildings, but tall structures. And that was that al-Imad. Others, they said that al-Imad goes back to Ad themselves. They were a people who were extremely tall. So they were a people who, it's as though they were, you know, their spines were like a'midah, like pillars. And it said that they were uh, six meters, in, over six meters in height. And they, they were over six meters in height. They were huge. So it either goes back to uh, the pillars of the tents, the, the pole that they used to hold the tents by. And this, in reality, is actually it doesn't contradict because all of these things revolve around the same thing. Because if you are carrying these huge tents and huge poles, you must be a people that are tall, right? And they were a people of strength. They were a people who were tall. They were a people who were strong. They had these huge structures, whether tents or other structures that were huge and had huge, vast pillars and poles. They were a very powerful people. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them. Do you see anything left from them at all? Their pillars, their huge tents, their, their huge bodies, their power... You don't see anything left at all. 
you don't see anything left at all. And this, as we mentioned from Ibn al-Qayyim, it links in with what is mentioned previously. That just how we submit to Allah, we lower ourselves before Allah, there were nations who rebelled against Allah. And their power didn't help them. And their huge buildings didn't help them. Their huge structures and tents didn't help them. Their massive poles that they held, pillars they held the tents up with, didn't help them. It's said that they had a city that they used to go back to, but that they were, you know, they would go out in certain seasons in the spring into the desert and they would, you know, hunt for, you know, vegetation, whether it be truffles or whatever it is. They would go and they would, or the, the, um, uh, the time when there was vegetation for, the, for their you know, animal, animals to eat, they would go out into the desert in these huge tents. And in reality, all of this is to indicate their strength and their power and how Allah destroyed them even though they had that huge power. إِرَمَ ذَاتِ الْعِمَادِ الَّتِي لَمْ يُخْلَقْ مِثْلُهَا فِي الْبِلَادِ so here again, those who, you know, those who no creation has been known like them fil bilad, in any of the cities or in their city or in their area. No one, any, no one knew of anything like them. No one knew of anything like them. Now here, what is referred to as the thing that was not, no, nothing was created like it? Is it referring to the pillars or is it referring to Ad? That there is nothing like it created, there is nothing created like it within any of those cities. There was nothing ever that was created like that. Is it referring to the pillars or is it referring to Ad? What seems to me to be the correct opinion is that it's referring to Ad because we don't use the word Yakhluk or Yukhlaq for something which is fashioned by people usually. People, when people make things like pillars and buildings, we say Yusna is fashioned or manufactured uh, or Yu'mal that are formed and made by their hands. But we don't usually say yukhlaq. Yukhlaq, there's nothing being created like it. This is usually reserved for uh, creation and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in like mankind, and everything is from the creation of Allah. But those things that usually we don't use, that things that are fashioned by people and created indirectly like that, any fashion by people, we don't usually use the word yukhlaq, created for them. Instead, we use the word manufactured or fashioned. So it seems that uh, it refers to it refers to ad, that nothing like ad had ever been seen. No power, no strength had ever been seen like the strength of ad, like the strength of ad. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned, وَزَادَكُمْ فِي الْخَلْقِ بَسْطَ That Allah Azza wa Jal made you strong and powerful and made you, and you have more in your, the way He created you more than others, in height and so on. 
And they said, Man ashaddu minna quwa, who is stronger than us? Who is who is stronger than us? So this is what is mentioned about and what is mentioned about uh, Ad. What is mentioned about Ad. And I think inshallah ta'ala, that's a good place to stop. I know we didn't go too much further, but there was a lot of things we had to talk about. And next time we can talk about Thamud and Fir'aun and we can get towards, inshallah, the middle of the surah. But like we said, today was a little bit, there was a, we had to go back through because it was, it's a little bit difficult how, the, how they all link together and what's intended by each one. And even though, you know, we're not trying to make the tafsir difficult, right? We're trying to keep it simple for people. But at the same time, sometimes there are benefits that it's not that I, I want you to get confused by them. But I want you to appreciate how deep the tafsir of the Qur'an is. This is a summarized tafsir, by the way. This is not a detailed tafsir. This is not even a, a, like a real depth tafsir. This is a summary of the tafsir of Ibn Kathir. Al-Misbah al-Munir. It's a summary of the tafsir of Ibn Kathir. With explanations. Brief points, bullet points. And I just want you to see how deep the tafsir of the Qur'an can be. And how much there is to think about. And then sometimes we go quickly and we, you know, we, we explain things. But it's nice to link, draw all the parts of the Qur'an in together, bring them all together. For example, the different things that are said about Ad, the different things said about Thamud, the different things said about Fir'aun. And uh, that for Ad, it was their strength that caused them to believe that Allah would not punish them. And with Thamud, it was the luxury of their living, you know, their gardens and their rivers and so on. And their, you know, the vast houses that they had and carved from the mountains and so on. And with Fir'aun, it was their authority on the earth. And the people of Fir'aun were in charge. Bani Israel were slaves. They believed that their authority and their riasa on the earth so it's like Allah is going through the three major reasons or three of the major reasons. I'm not going to say the only three, but three of the major reasons why people turn away from Allah and believe that Allah will not be able to punish them. Either because they see their strength and they say, who is going to touch us? How can a punishment come to us with this strength that we have? And the second thing is by the luxury they live. Oh, we have technology, we have medicine, we have, you know, electricity. You're telling me for real we're going to get destroyed by a wind when we have electricity and we have early warning systems and we have satellites, we're going to be destroyed by a wind. And the people who are fooled by their sultah by their authority. They say, look, we're in control. Things don't happen in this world. We're behind everything. We're in control of everything. Rather, Allah Azza wa Jal destroyed people in the past who were stronger and more powerful, had more luxury and had more authority on the earth than any country or any people today. But still people are fooled by the same three things. They're fooled by 
their power and strength or they're fooled by their luxury that they live in or they're fooled by their authority and their command over the situation. And in reality, many of the people today are fooled by all three. Some of the enemies of Islam, they are fooled by all three. They, they have authority on the earth, they have power, and they have luxury. And so they turn away and they go towards all kinds of things. I mean, these days, atheism and all this kind of stuff, because they've been fooled by these things. And this is really interesting because Quraysh were not fooled by them. Quraysh, despite their disbelief and their rejection, but Quraysh were terrified when they heard about Ad and Fir'aun and Thamud. When Quraysh heard about them, what happened? The famous story in Surah Al-Najm that Quraysh fell to the ground in prostration, as is narrated in some of the books. Quraysh fell to the ground out of fear of what happened to Ad and Thamud and Fir'aun and so on and, and the people of Lut and, and so on. Subhanallah. Whereas the people today, they hear these stories, they say, Asatir al-Awali. This is just, don't tell us about the stories of some tribes who lived here and there. And they see themselves to be stronger and more powerful and live more luxury and have more authority. But Allah will destroy them the same way that he destroyed the people of old. And that is a significant lesson that we take from Surah Al-Fajr, the jaza. And that's why some of the scholars of Tafsir, they said about Surah Al-Fajr, this qasam at the beginning is a qasam, the purpose of which is that Allah Allah will recompense every person for what they did. Every one of you is going to get what they sowed. And nobody should ever think they can escape Allah. Don't you see what happened to these people who were the height of power, the height of luxury, the height of authority on the earth and Allah destroyed them? So likewise, Allah will give every one of you what you deserve. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention. Do we have any quick questions? The book by... Okay, so um, in terms of what we've been reading from today, I'll get you the reference if I can. We've been reading from a number of different books. Uh, I think today's quote was from, let me get my reference. I think it was from, and I'm going to just confirm it. Yeah, Tibian. This the quote today was all from a Tibian. 
التبيان في أقسام القرآن by Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala the quote today was the quote today was page 27 and 28 onwards to 32, 33 page 27 to page 33 of At-Tibyan by Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala but every time we quote Ibn Qayyim sometimes we quote from different sources uh, where Ibn Qayyim commented on a particular surah or commented on a particular ayah we're not doing the tafsir specifically of Ibn Qayyim here we're doing Ibn Kathir from Al-Misbah Al-Munir the summarized uh, tafsir of Ibn Kathir we said that we'd been taking primarily the explanation of uh, Sheikh uh, Dr. Khalid Al-Sabt um, and we've been going around that and we bring in sometimes Al-Baghawi and Al-Tabari and different things Ibn al-Qayyim, we're not quoting specifically, we're not studying Ibn al-Qayyim's book specifically, but what we do, or books, but what we're doing is just bringing in quotes where Ibn al-Qayyim quoted a particular ayah or explained a particular ayah because there's a lot of, well, it's a huge number of benefits that you don't find elsewhere in books of tafsir or you don't find in that way brought together like that in other books of tafsir and Allah Azza wa knows best. Nah. Which tafsir would I recommend? I would only recommend the tafsir which are ala madhab al-salaf that are on the madhab of the salaf al-salih the proper aqidah So there are, there are many examples of that the greatest of which no doubt is the tafsir of Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala but it's very huge and very detailed and it's the best of all of the books of tafsir Allah alam the tafsir al-Tabari but it is very huge and very detailed and of course it's only available in Arabic I would definitely recommend Al-Baghawi Tafsir of Al-Baghawi which is not so big but also uh, more than Ibn Kathir and only in Arabic I would recommend the Tafsir of Ibn Kathir no doubt Tafsir of Al-Qurtubi no doubt and Ibn, Ibn Kathir is available in English and I would recommend for a simple tafsir, I would definitely recommend the tafsir of Imam al-Sa'di, rahimahullah ta'ala. These are the books of tafsir I would recommend. Now that doesn't mean that I, we don't benefit from other books of tafsir. There are some amazing books of tafsir, but generally speaking, we want to be grounded in the Salafi tafsir, the tafsir of Salaf al-Salih. We don't want to be grounded in the tafsir of the mutakallimin and the ashaira and the maturidiyah and the tafsir of the mu'tazila and the tafsir of all these different people. We want to be grounded in the tafsir of the salaf. How the salaf understood the Qur'an. And then after that, there's no harm. Sometimes we quote from Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala. Uh, many people study tafsir al-jalalayn uh, by uh, the two jalaldin. Uh, and so on but ultimately these tafasir are not any Ibn Ashur and uh, Jalalayn and so on they're not upon the madhab of Ahl sunnah so there's a benefit in them but they have their place and their place is if you have a good teacher to teach you Jalalayn who is upon the sunnah there is no harm in it if your teacher who is teaching you tafsir Jalalayn is upon the sunnah there is no harm but you don't read it by yourself like that and uh, 
in terms of the the tafsir that you um, you know you focus upon and you st- you stick to is the tafsir that is upon the madhab of the salaf. As for the tafsir which is ash'ari and so on, you benefit from it in places. But you know, I remember Sheikh Ali Tawajiri, Hafizullah, Sheikh used to always have, you know, he used to always drill into us. And he didn't teach me tafsir. At least maybe he, I did maybe the muqaddim of Ibn Taymiyyah with him, but he didn't teach us tafsir. But I heard many times him say this. And he said it to me as well. One time when I visited him, that your methodology in tafsir should be to find the tafsir from the from the the al-salaf, the way the salaf understood it. And if you then if you don't find and you only find the benefit mentioned in the books of the Ashaira and so on, then you can quote it, no problem. But you don't go to their books before you go to the books that are upon the madhab of the salaf. And there are so many. Wallah, can one of you tell me that they went through Al-Tabari and Al-Baghawi and Al-Qutbi and Ibn Kathir? And so on and so on. And many, the tafsir of Shaykh Al-Taymin, the tafsir of Sa'di, the tafsir, many, 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 and many I have not mentioned. And they went through all of them and they didn't find that benefit. In reality, very few, most of the time. And then if you didn't find the benefit with someone except Ar-Razi or you found it with Zamakhshari, quote it, but don't make that the first place that you go for tafsir. And for people today in English, I strongly recommend the tafsir of Imam Sa'di. It's very simple. It's available, I believe, IPH did the whole thing, all the way from beginning to end. Uh, it was one of my projects. But subhanAllah, wallah, they finished it before us. Allah bless them. They finished it before us. So, wallah, maybe I will release mine as a yani, free project or something. But theirs is available anyways. They have the full tafsir of Sa'di beginning to end. And Dar al Salam have like, a few juz of it. Very, very good. Yeah. Okay. That's what Allah made it easy for us to mention in this online-only class because there is no, no students with us because of the UK lockdown. And Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.